The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer from below. Welcome to Las Vegas for Gus with myself, Greg Eves and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we're going to be chatting with Carter Elliott. He does great work over at Sleepers Media, holding it down in the great Midwest. So we're going to be talking a lot about the Big Ten in this one today. Obviously, the Caleb Love situation is something that lingers over Michigan. But what does it really mean for the entirety of the Big Ten? How big of a disappointment has it been that we haven't seen a lot of moves from the Big Ten? And also some of the big draft decisions that faces the Big Ten and how that has been a big reason why we just have not seen a lot of these teams hit the transfer portal. We're also going to be taking a look at some of the more notable NBA draft decisions to watch out for in the next few weeks. And with our good friend Carter, he is based out there in Michigan. He's in prime position to be able to take a look at the Ryzen League. And we're going to talk a little bit about how they've done a good job this offseason. So I'm going to give a little bit of love to Ryzen League on the podcast today. In the final segment, we've got quite a bit of news and notes to round up. We saw a few guys pull out of the NBA draft. We saw one guy who's really not in the NBA draft, but is going to be going professional, decide that he is going to be leaving an SEC school. So we're going to be diving into that in the final segment. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we're getting closer and closer to conference previews. It does seem as though... Either this weekend or very, very early next week, I'm going to be able to do my first one with the Atlantic Sun. Had to pick a conference in which we really don't have a lot of NBA draft decisions, a conference where you don't have a lot of hoopla going into the transfer portal. It's a big reason why when I do my conference previews, I go low slash mid-majors first before we go into the power conference teams just because the power conference teams They've got a few more decisions. They've got more moving parts in general, but we should be able to get that up and running soon. And what we've got up and running next is a lot of Big Ten chatter and a lot of chatter about these NBA draft decisions with Carter Elliott right here on Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eubes-Peters, and now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. We're back here on Las Vegas for Jessica Seats with myself, Craig Eves Peters, and now part of the VEASAN family podcast. It is always a pleasure to get this man on board as Carter Elliott does an amazing job following the game of college basketball over at the Field of 68, along with Sleepers Media. He and Greg Waddell are the two gentlemen behind Sleepers Media. They also do the Unscripted podcast that is all based around Michigan State and just in general, the Big Ten athletics, these men 
went all across the country, all across the Big Ten, going to all those venues this season, which was terrific. And if you're looking for a little bit more on the Michigan State Spartans, I know that Carter does a great job as a part of the Rivals Network covering the Michigan State Spartans. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at Carter Elliott with two underscores on the back half of that. And Carter, always great to get you aboard. Thank you. You know, uh, anytime I get a chance to get on here, you know I'm always game. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you joining me. And right now the biggest thing that's happened in the Big Ten over the last few days is the Caleb Love situation. Looked like he was going to be going to Michigan, but from everything I've heard, I might be mistaken on this, but I'm just going off of what I heard. It was an admissions reason as to why he's not going to be going to Michigan. But, I mean, this is bad not just for Michigan, for one, because they were counting on him to be that bucket getter for them, but for two, really for the Big Ten in general, in my opinion, because with the Big Ten, it feels like there's been a lot of silent off-seasons for many of these teams. Michigan was really banking on Caleb Love, so that puts them in really much of the entirety of the conference behind the eight ball, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely does. And, you know, even though I am a Michigan State fan, and this might sound weird saying this, I'm not saying that I like Michigan when they're good. That's not what I'm trying to really say here. But what I'm saying is that as a conference, the Big Ten has looked better when Michigan and Michigan State are good. I think that has a big effect on how – maybe people outside the Big Ten view the conference. So the fact that, you know, Michigan has really had, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, they've had one of the worst off seasons of anyone in the country this year. A guard like Caleb Love is something that I guess was kind of lacking in the Big Ten this year. I'm not saying the guard play wasn't good. You know, you had Boo Booey, you had Tyson Walker, but Caleb Love was a different type of guard. Caleb Love is a guy who shoots a lot of shots. He he makes them sometimes, sometimes he misses them, but he's a different type of dynamic, a different type of guard that you don't typically see in the Big Ten. So I was, you know, kind of excited just to see what that looks like. But now with the admissions thing happening and Caleb Love not being able to get in the, you know, get into Michigan for, you know, whatever reason, whether it be transfer credits or whatever the reason might be, this is now back to back summers that Michigan has lost out on a player because of holdups and admissions. Last summer, Terrence Shannon, the rumor was he wanted Michigan. He wanted to go to Michigan. He was on campus. He was with the players. He loved Jawan. He wanted to play for Michigan, but there was admissions holdup, and he wasn't able to get into the school. So, you know, he ended up going to Illinois. So that's two straight summers where basically Michigan has had their, for lack of, you know, quote-unquote prize transfer not be able to get in the school. It's a bad look on the court. It's a bad look off the court, too. Right now, the stigma is that admissions is holding up Michigan. Admissions, NIL, other factors outside of what Coach Howard can control are holding them back. And, you know, that, you know, it's hindering them right now. Yeah, that's a big issue for Michigan. And it has been very interesting to just take a look at this offseason in general for the Big Ten because I'm so glad that you mentioned TJ Shannon. His draft decision is one of the bigger ones in college basketball, and I feel like it could cause a little bit of a domino effect. As Carter Elliott, who does great work over at Sleepers Media, along with Field of 68, is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops because I feel like the reason why we've seen a lot of these Big Ten teams not make a lot of splash moves quite yet is because they're waiting on some of these NBA draft decisions. Like with Illinois, they're waiting on TJ Shannon, but we know that they're very much in on Ray J. Dennis. I think that the Ray J. Dennis moves – once we see T.J. Shannon, whether or not he's going to stay in school, whether or not he's going to go. We've got a few other decisions that we could dive into in a few minutes because obviously Zach Eady, if he does not return to Purdue, that would be very, very impactful 
for them. But I just take a look at the landscape of the Big Ten right now, and they're going to be very reliant on these NBA draft decisions. I mean, even if these guys decide not to come back to school, just to move forward and to be able to plan the rosters out for this upcoming season, because I feel like quite a few of these teams have been held hostage by these decisions. Yeah, and I mean, it's a really big week coming up this week as far as guys staying in the draft, leaving the draft, or, you know, come, leaving the draft and coming back to portal, leaving the draft, coming back to school. I know in particular Michigan State right now, though, uh, the consensus or the feeling is that we're going to get A.J. Hogarth and Jay Nakins back. You know, right now they're going through the draft process. They're having workouts. Jay Nakins actually had a pretty good pro day in Chicago. Uh, Coach Izzo and the staff were actually there to support him, which was really cool as well. But, you know, that's a big decision. We, you know, we already got the word that Tyson Walker would be back. And, you know, as expected, Malik Hall came back for his extra year as well. Now we're in the balance right now waiting for to see if Jay Nakins and A.J. Hogarth comes back. But, I mean, you brought up Illinois. Illinois, you know, if they get T.J. Shannon back, they immediately get one of the best guards in the Big Ten back. And, you know, they kind of need that right now. They're a little lean at the guard spot, I would say, with Jay Nepps transferring out. And, you know, you have freshmen like Drake Gibbs-Lawhorn coming in, and you have the transfer Harmon from Utah Valley. But anytime you can get back a guy who has played a lot of college basketball, is old in this landscape and productive, like I'm like all Big Ten last year level production. You want to get that back. Getting a guy like TJ Shannon back, he actually would be in the running for Big Ten Player of the Year in my eyes. Obviously, he'd have to outdo the likes of Zach Eady if he comes back, but he's a guy who could be in the running for that. He's a first team all Big Ten level talent. So, you know, these coaches are waiting and waiting, and the portal's changing on a daily basis. I mean, you mentioned Illinois. You know, everyone's been kind of mentioning that Ray J. Dennis would be a fighting Illini, but at the same time, he's taking visits right now. And, you know, Illinois, they drag their feet too much. You might be passed by and then you're left scrambling with players that are getting in the portal late or still in the portal. So the college basketball landscape, being a coach is not one that I envy. <laughs> and, I, and I used to envy coaches, but now there's so many factors going on that I just, I can't even wrap my head around it just from the outside looking in. So I don't, I can, I can imagine how they feel. And it makes me feel good that I am now married and I'm out of the dating scene because as you were describing Illinois and what they've been doing with Ray J. Dennis, it's like, man, that sounds like my entire dating life. Dragging <laughs> my feet, trying to go along. And I'm sure there's many people on this podcast who are like, yep, that's me to a T. As we've got our good friend Carter Elliott joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. So hopefully that puts it into some real world terms a little bit, but I do think that just taking a look at a lot of these NBA draft decisions is going to be big because we mentioned that the Big Ten has quite a few of them, but there's a lot of guys that they could go one of three different routes. They could stay in the NBA draft, they could come back to school, or there's a lot of guys as well that they could pull their name out of the draft and then go right into the transfer portal. I find guys like Arthur Kaluma, someone like a Julian Phillips, these are some of the most fascinating case studies right now in all of college basketball. And I feel like while the Big Ten is dealing with a lot of this, there's a lot of schools in the SEC. There's plenty of schools in the Big 12 with Texas and Baylor going through this as well. And this is a very interesting week in terms of college basketball because I feel like until that deadline date of the 31st is reached, 
a lot of these schools are not going to be wanting to make a lot of moves. And then I think we're going to see sort of that second wave in terms of the transfer portal. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes patience can pay off. But just to put it into, I guess, a real world or a real college basketball situation, like these players in the portal and they get on campus with some of these coaches like they're not leaving there without committing. <laughs> There's so much pressure because once these kids get on campus, sometimes it's about getting that visit first. It's not always about getting the last visits. Uh, you might not make it to the last visit. So it's just there's so much waiting going on. And then you mentioned guys like Kaluma. You know, if he withdraws from the draft and comes back to school, he's going to have every single school in the country calling him. I mean, we expect Zach Eady to come back. If Zach Eady comes back, Purdue's a top five, top ten for sure preseason team. If he doesn't come back, they're not going to be probably sniffing anywhere close to the top 25. And then Matt Painter and his crew are left trying to replace a national player of the year and it's really is a lot of decisions that can be made. You mentioned Julian Phillips as well, a former five-star guy that a lot of guys think that, you know, maybe outside of that Tennessee offensive system, there's something there. The athleticism is surely there, as we saw from his testing combine numbers. So still a lot of swing and a lot of decisions that are going to, I mean, honestly, make or break team ceilings next year. It's definitely going to be an interesting week to see what happens. I mean, let's think if you're like Shaka Smart, you probably came into the combine thinking you were getting your whole team back. And then Prosper has a great combine withdraws from the five on five because he probably got some type of draft promise. And now we don't think he's coming back to school. And people thought Marquette was going to be a top five team next year with all the pieces they could get back. So it can change day by day. Yep, it certainly can change day by day. And I mean, we're noticing it with a school like Marquette. And as we know in the Big Ten, it's all about trying to keep these guys on campus for many, many years, trying to be able to build guys up, have them play very sparingly as freshmen and sophomore, and then have them ascend as juniors and seniors. And I do think that it is so important to just keep continuity with some of these schools as well, because you mentioned Marquette. They haven't brought a single guy into the transfer portal this offseason. Last offseason, they really made a lot of shrewd moves. Really, the only move that they've made since Shaka Smart has gotten there was bringing in Tyler Kolick, which, boy, has that worked out well for them. But mm-hmm. I mean, Marquette is not one of those teams that – They make a lot of moves in the transfer portal, and I think that these are the teams that can get impacted the most by draft decisions. A school like a Marquette that they don't dive into the portal too much. Purdue is not a team that's going to be looking to grab a bunch of transfers as well. And when you lose a guy to the NBA draft like that, it really causes a school to really try to do something that they're not comfortable with, and that can sometimes lead to a disjointed roster. Even thinking back to last week, Coach Peichel and the Rutgers team, they sent Cam Spencer – home for a week basically to go visit his family and within five days Cam Spencer's in the portal and he's he's looking to go elsewhere I mean you take a breath you look the wrong way you get too comfortable Uh, for lack of a better term it's a dirty world out there college basketball you could be losing players when they just go home for the weekend that's the landscape we're in right now so like I said it can be dirty but it's the laws of the game right now oh no question about it it is certainly an interesting landscape to to say the least as Carter Elliott he does great work over at Sleepers Media. He is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And Carter, I know that you spent a little bit of time taking a look at this conference. I do as well. I've actually been very impressed by what I've seen out of the Ryzen League this offseason. UW-Milwaukee, they pick up another nice guy on Monday. As all in all, I've been very impressed by what Bart Lundy has done in recent years. They bring in Langston Wilson. We know that Detroit, without having Antoine Davis in the fold, they're going to need to change around that identity because for five years, you knew that you were going to have Antoine Davis giving you 20-plus points per contest. 
being a statue sufferer. And I do think that they've done a good job of pivoting. And it has been a little bit sad in recent years to see the rise and like go from that perennial like 13, 14 seed to schools that are just fighting to not get in the play in round. But I do think that all in all, this has been a good offseason for the rise of league, especially with UW-Green Bay not looking sorry anymore with bringing in someone like Noel Reynolds from Wyoming. Might have been last week or two weeks ago, Wright State gets Tanner Holden back from Ohio yes, State. Sir. So I still really don't understand why he didn't play more at Ohio State. I mean, that's neither here or there, but a great player. Kind of cool to see him go back to Wright State where he made his name. He's going to finish out his college career there. That's very exciting. Langston Wilson, that athleticism in the Horizon League is going to be fun to watch. You know, I've been very high on him. Shout out to Brandon Goble and Juco Advocate guys for putting his name or at least making his name known to me a couple years ago when he was at the Juco level. So I got a lot of promise for him. One of the best athletes in the country. So I think that's going to be fun in the Horizon League. And then, you know, I always want to see UAD do well. As a guy who lives in Metro Detroit, I remember the days of Ray McCallum, Eli Holman, Chase Simon, and all those guys. I just really think that, you know, if they can find a way to somewhat lock down some of the talent that's in the Detroit area and get that buzz back in Callahan, it'll be seriously fun. But the Horizon League has definitely done a good job of bringing back talent. I mean, you know, like I mentioned, Tanner Holden, I can't wait to watch him at Wright State again next year because, I mean, it was really fun watching him there two years ago when that team made the tournament. Another guy that was at Ohio State a few years ago, Seth Towns, going to Howard. I don't know what to expect there, but congratulations on a grown man for deciding that he still wants to play some college basketball. As we've seen a lot of intrigue with the guys that went into Ohio State. It feels like they just haven't done the world's greatest job with regards to some of their transfers. I'm not sure if you've noticed the same thing as well, but it feels like Ohio State, year in and year out, they've been one of the most active teams in the transfer portal, and yet when they get these guys on campus, they just have no idea what they're capable of, and they don't really know how to utilize them. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Tanner Holden was one of the biggest examples of that for me. And also, Sean McNeil. Like, Sean McNeil was one of the most electric players to watch at West Virginia in that system with the shots he took. I mean, me and Greg, uh, Greg Waddell, my co-host, we coined the phrase him as heat check player of the year because when he got going, you would have nine threes on your head top before you even got the blink, you know. And you saw games like that this year at West Virginia out of Eric Stevenson, but when he got to Ohio State, it just it just wasn't the same. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, that's two guys, two pretty good guards transferring in in a row that didn't really have the success that I thought they were going to have, whether that be because of what they did personally or the system or something like that. I mean, kind of hurt me to see. I had a very deep kind of basketball man crush on Sean McNeil just because I love the shot selection and the way he played. So he just wasn't really able to replicate that. So it's kind of become a pattern with Ohio State over the past couple of years. No doubt about it. I've been noticing it as well. I'm so glad that you brought it up with Tanner Holden because I remember, I believe it was against Rutgers. He had that nice game winner there. And then for like the next two months, Ohio State could not win a game. I wonder why. So that was... Very much something that was a takeaway for me, but always a takeaway when we have our chats, Carter, is that you know the game of college basketball, and you've got absolutely tremendous insights. I love all the work that you're doing over there at Sleepers Media, Longfield of 68, and I know that you and Greg are going to be very active this offseason. So a lot of good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, so you can follow uh, my personal account, uh, Carter Elliott. 
That's with two L's and two T's and then two underscores on Twitter. All of our content will be on at Sleepers Media. That's on YouTube, podcast, uh, Twitter, Instagram, wherever social media platform you use. We're going to be doing some draft profile stuff coming up here very quickly. Uh, We just needed a little bit of time because we're Detroit Pistons fans and we somehow found ourselves with a fifth pick after watching a whole year of Corey Joseph run our basketball team. So when we bounce back from that, we're going to have some draft profile stuff coming up here in the next couple of weeks and, you know, kind of keep the content going. Hopefully Greg's Michigan Wolverines can add a player so we can talk about them. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do think that the Michigan Wolverines are going to find someone. The question is, who are they going to find as that is a big question facing the Wolverines, but Something that is not questionable is the fact that Carter Elliott, every single time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights, much like he did today. So big thanks, Carter, for joining me on Coast to Coast Soups, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a little bit of a recap of the news and notes that we saw in college basketball on Monday. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If- 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Everybody here in Las Vegas, we're just guessing with myself, Greg Hughes Peters, and now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Carter Elliott aboard. He does amazing work over at the Field of 68 and Sleepers Media. He, much like myself, from the Midwest, part of the country, holding it down in the great state of Michigan. Going to be very interesting to see what happens with Caleb Love. Going to be fascinating to see what happens with some of these guys in the Big Ten and the Midwest in general, some of their big decisions. So we've got a lot on tap these next few weeks. I know that Carter is going to be doing a great job of covering it all. He and Greg Waddell over there at Sleepers Media, one of the unscripted podcasts, two of the best. So a big thanks to him for joining me on Coast Coast Soup Sound, part of the Visa Family Podcast. And now it is that time in the podcast if we give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we've seen in college basketball over the last 24 hours. We did see a few player decisions in terms of whether or not to, in this case, go pro or not because Iros Plasic, hopefully I said that correctly, I always got his name wrong. Fortunately, I don't have to try to pronounce his name correctly anymore as Mr. Plasic he was playing over for the Tennessee Volunteers last year, was able to give the team about five points, was more of a defensive stopper at seven feet tall. He has decided that he is going to be pursuing a pro career. He's not going to be back at full. A little bit of a loss considering he was a nice depth piece. He was able to give the team in that neighborhood about 13 and a half minutes per contest. Was a starter that really didn't get starters minutes, but he was a big part of that defense. The real question with Tennessee is Julian Phillips. What happens with him? That is what we are all watching for right now as they did get Dalton Connect in the offseason to be able to up out on that front. And they've got a few freshmen coming in that I do think are going to be able to hold down the fort. So we shall see what happens there. We saw Luis Rodriguez decide that he is going to withdraw from the NBA draft and he is going to be returning to UNLV. We're noticing a lot of the smaller guys in the NBA draft decide that they're going to be pulling their name out. I wasn't sure what Luis Rodriguez was really testing in terms of the waters. I think that was more or less the case in which this was going to be year number six for him at the college level because at UNLV last year, he put up 10.5 points, 5.5 boards, 1.7 seals. I mean, a nice Swiss Army knife guy at six foot six. Just a case where, I mean, he's north of 23 years old. I don't know what team would necessarily be taking too much of a flyer on him rather than, I mean, it would probably be some sort of a two-way contract and or playing overseas, something of that nature. So, honestly, the NIL money in lovely Las Vegas might be more than he would have been able to make if he would have went pro. So, 
good move on his part, in my opinion, and that is going to be able to help fortify UNLV moving forward. We did see Tolu Smith pull his name out of the NBA draft yesterday, and that's led to a little bit of a corresponding move. Will McNair Jr., he was playing at Mississippi State last season, wasn't used a ton. He followed Chris Jans over from New Mexico State, was a nice offensive stopper for the team. Three and a half points, three and a half boards, six foot ten frame that was able to do a nice job on defense. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. This would be his second transfer. I'm pretty sure that he would be a graduate transfer, but this would be his second transfer. So, very interesting to see what happens with some of these guys. They're entering into the transfer portal late. I was talking about the logistics of this yesterday on the podcast, and it certainly is going to be of note because I do think that we are in some murky waters there. Josh Taylor, he was playing last year at East Tennessee State, and he was able to start 16 games for the team, shot 37.5% from three, seven points, right around five boards, a block per contest. Nice, well-rounded six-foot-eight combo player. He has decided that he is going to be going to Georgia State. For Georgia State, it was a no-good, very bad, terrible year for them, especially if you were betting on Georgia State last year. Georgia State, a bottom-five team in terms of making you money last season. That was very much less than savory, so... Hopefully, this could lead to them being a little bit more profitable this season. But, I mean, a good ad, in my opinion, for a Georgia State team that they need a little bit of everything at this point. When they were playing solid defense, they had absolutely no offense to speak of whatsoever last year. And when their offense finally got clicking, they had no defense whatsoever to speak of as well. With Taylor, he's six foot eight. He's able to pop threes. He doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but he does a lot of things very solidly. And I think that this is a good building block for a Georgia State team that has really turned over a little bit of a new leaf. Ricky Bradley, he's a point guard that does a little bit of everything for the team. Leslie Incurium, he's going to be able to help out down low as well. They bring in Jaden Turner down for what? From Queens NC. You're really lacking ideal size with this team, but you've got a lot of guys that have some switchability, so I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what we get out of this Georgia State team for this upcoming season, but I do think that they're trending in the right direction. Eastern Illinois, I think, is trending in the right direction as well as they get a pair of guys from the transfer portal as you get Bensanti, Amy Serbaga from UIC. I am sure that I butchered that name, and then they bring in Jalen Gibson. He was playing over at Mount St. Mary's last year. Let's go in on Gibson first because I think that this is the bigger of the two with Gibson last season. And he was solid for Mount St. Mary's. Came in off the bench. Was able to give the team three and a half points per contest. As a freshman, shot about 35% from three. That dipped to more around 28% from distance this past year. But he's a kid from the state of Illinois. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of upside there. And I think that this is a... Good get for a bunch that they're just really looking to find a rotation. They're looking for some reliability, and they have been anemic on offense, to say the least, in recent years. And then Bensanti Sarabaga, who comes in from UIC, not really a highly touted guy. He was able to give the team about a rebound, one and a half points per contest. At 6'10", he's a little bit of a project, but Eastern Illinois, they've been lacking any sort of size whatsoever in recent years. So just being able to bring in a little bit of size in general, I do think is going to be very helpful for them. So that is good news for Eastern Illinois up there in Ohio Valley Conference. That it's very winnable because you just don't really have great teams in that conference. We saw Tampa College add a pair of guys from the Rising League at former starters 
from the Ryzen League as well. This one is the lesser of the two, Miles Hunter. Miles Hunter last year just completely fall off the, fell off the map for Youngstown State. As a freshman, Hunter was given the team about 6.5 points per contest, shot about 33% from three-part range. He was down to about three points per contest. This last year became a little bit of afterthought for Youngstown State, so he's decided that he is going to the D2 level. This one absolutely stuns me, though. And when it comes to these guys that they go down to the non-D1 level, all you need to do is cross them off your list of guys that you need to evaluate and move on. But for Amari Davis, a two-time All-Horizon League performer, a guy that at UW-Green Bay during the 2020-21 season averaged 17 points per contest. I mean, even two years ago, he was in the SEC putting up nine points per contest. I recognize those at Missouri, and they didn't have a lot of options, but, I mean, this is still a guy that was putting up nine points per contest in the SEC two years ago and seeing starts for an SEC school. For him to go down to Tampa College, it is quite stunning. So, I mean, good on Tampa College. D2 basketball in general is getting a little bit more competitive. Tampa's out there in one of the most competitive D2 conferences in all of college basketball. Florida Tech is a team that knocked off the likes of Central Michigan a few years ago. Nova Southeastern, the old Sharks, they won the D2 national title last season. So that SSC that is out there in the D2 ranks, I mean, they've got some very good teams. And the SSC, I think, might be better than the SWAC and the MEAC right now. And they add two guys that were starting at the Horizon League level. So that is relatively impressive for them. And it makes our handicapping a little bit easier. So we can cross those guys off our list to break down. Isaac Mushala, he was playing last season at Texas A&M Corpus Christi and in his two years at Corpus Christi was Mr. Do-It-All. A combined 13.9 points, 9.7 rebounds per contest last two seasons. Shot 37.5% from three last year with 1.3 steals per game. He is going to New Mexico and this is a really good get for New Mexico in my opinion. New Mexico team that they need a little bit more defense. They need a little bit more rebounding with Mushala. He had six foot five, six foot six. Might be a little bit undersized in the Mountain West, and I don't think he's going to be able to get quite the ten rebounds per game like he was able to when he was playing at the Southland level. But still, I like his versatility. He was on a team that, in back-to-back years, was able to make the NCAA tournament in step-up games. It always felt like he was able to put out there a relatively good product when he was at Corpus Christi and. For New Mexico, they've done a good job of being able to revamp this roster in the offseason. They bring in a little bit more size with Mustafa Amzil, Jermaryl Baker. He's a guy with familiarity within the conference. Nelly Jr. Joseph is a guy that while he was at Iona could go off for a double-double on any given night as well. So I do like what he's bringing to the table. And we did see in a little bit of a corresponding move. He was already out there in the transfer portal. But Brima Sek. He played last season over at New Mexico. He has decided that he is going to be going to Fairfield. For Fairfield, a relatively solid gift for them, especially with Supreme Cook, their top rebounder, being in the transfer portal as I do this right now as for a sec. He's a 6'11", 200-pound body that just really didn't see a lot of minutes the last two seasons for New Mexico. He was averaging about one point per contest. This is a little bit more of a project player. If he's able to find himself, if he's able to rein it in, this could be very solid as I know that there were schools like Texas Tech, Arizona State that were in on this guy. He just 
could never really find a way to be able to garner those minutes, but I mean, if he's able to find it over at Fairfield, look out. I feel the same for Langston Wilson. He was a very highly touted junior college guy a few seasons ago. Spent the last two years at Washington. At Washington this last season, didn't necessarily put up the world's greatest production as he was averaging right in that neighborhood, about 1.7 points per contest. Two seasons ago, more around 2.5 points, 2.5 boards per contest. But when I was at the junior college level, he was just completely dominant. I believe that he was playing for the Georgia Highlands College, where he was averaging about 10 points, 7.5 boards. was a relatively solid offensive piece. Him going over to Milwaukee is big. For a Panthers bunch, they were really a whole as greater than some of its parts team last year. They lost a few of those parts here in the offseason, but they've done a good job of just being able to stick with that Bart Lundy style. I do think that they're going to be deep once again this season. They were very much underrated throughout the entirety of the Ryzen League season last year, and I do think that that's going to be the case for them once again this year, and I feel like they've been able to do a good job of being able to add a bunch of guys that, in general, are going to be nice contributors. Being able to bring in some like a Faison Fields in recent days is nice. Pierce Spencer is a guy that did a little bit of everything while he was at Nichols last year. Eric Pratt was at Texas A&M, so very good on UW-Milwaukee on that front. Jamari Sibley, he is a well-traveled gentleman. He began his career over at Georgetown, spent the last two years at UTEP, and he didn't see terrible minutes while he was at UTEP. Never really took off the way that he thought he was going to. He was a starter during the 2021-22 season. Became a little bit more of an afterthought this year as two years ago. was averaging about five and a half points, four boards, shot 35% from three. He's a six foot eight, little bit of a combo player. He has decided that he is going to be going to Southern Utah. Southern Utah has been very much hitting the recruiting front as they do lose Todd Simon in the offseason. So it is a team that they got a little bit gutted because Todd Simon did bring a lot of his guys over with him to Bowling Green. But for Southern Utah, I do think that this is going to be a team that's going to be relatively locked and loaded this season as they also bring in Dominic Ford. He was solid over at Idaho this past season. And Jameer Simpson, he was playing at UW Parkside. He was a very good Division II player last year as well, bringing in something like a Sibley who had 6'8", is able to pop some threes, began his career over in the Big East. I think that this is a very solid gift for them. And this is one that I think is interesting as well. Favor Ere. He was playing at Miami this last season. He has decided that he is going to be going to Penn State. He's a six foot eleven body that just really couldn't see a lot of minutes for Miami this last season. I would categorize him as a little bit more of a project player as well, but a guy that does have relatively good versatility, someone that 247 Sports rated as a top 150 prospect, and I do think that he has the ability to be able to do a nice job of being able to guard the rim. Now, when it comes to uh, the style that Penn State is going to be playing this season under Mike Rhodes, I don't know if he's necessarily the world's greatest fit there. I mean, he's got relatively good conditioning, but I can't say that I think that he's going to have the most active hands of the world, going to be able to generate a lot of seals. But what I do know is that this guy is able to play on the block and tells us Campateros. He has decided that he is going to be heading from South Dakota and he is going to be going to Vanderbilt. Anchored down for a 6'8 combo player that I think is going to suit Vanderbilt very well as he at South Dakota this last year, 12.5 points, 6.5 boards, shot 40% from three-point range. Now, in the SEC, you are going to need to defend and his defense... A little bit lackluster. South Dakota in general 
has not been able to do the world's greatest job of being a place of defense, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue, but I do think that his overall shooting going to be able to help out a Vanderbilt team that we've seen them do more with less in recent seasons, and then we just saw Papa Conte. He was originally committed to Michigan. He decided that he was going to decommit. He's a six foot ten gentleman, and he has decided that he is going to be going to the University of Pittsburgh, as Pittsburgh has themselves a really nice recruiting class coming in. Carlton Carrington is someone that I'm quite high on. He's a top 100 recruit that comes in as a little bit of a shooting guard. I think that he's going to be able to help them out. This is a four-star guy, according to On3Sports, along with 247 Sports. That I mean, the ranking is going to vary a little bit on him, but he's going to be able to do a nice job down low. The versatility, I don't know if it's going to quite be there with Conte, but what I do know is that he gives Pittsburgh a lot of depth, and I do think that Pittsburgh is on the way up, and on the way up is being able to break down the great game of college basketball, and it seems as though by week's end, we are going to have our first conference preview. I always try to go as close to alphabetical order when it comes to the low slash mid majors as humanly possible. We're going to break it a little bit. It sounds like I'm going to be able to do the Atlantic Sun this week, and then in a week or two, we're going to get into the America East. But as said, conference previews, they are a coming on this podcast. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have any question, comments, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Big thanks to Carter Elliott for joining me in the last segment. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.